What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast. This is Clark. And Bobby Jean. So glad you're here. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We are in the book of Titus now. We're chapter yes. two today. So we finished up the Proverbs on Monday, and then Tuesday was Titus one, and now today is Wednesday. We're in Titus chapter two. Yep, Titus is a heavy hit hitter. So Titus chapter one and Titus chapter two talks a lot about doctrine. Uh, the question Bob and I are going to ask today is, what is doctrine, and why is sound doctrine important? So, Bob, what is doctrine? <laughs> Clark? Bob. Bob. <laughs> Bob. Um, this is a good question. Doctrine is kind of one of those words, I think, that sometimes we all have heard. It's like a Christianese word, like we've heard or we mm-hmm. like think we know. Anyway. Doctrine just literally means um, a belief or set of beliefs that's taught by a church, a political group, um, just a group. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's kind of a kind of the set of beliefs or like a belief statement. Like that's that, your doctrine, and it affects the way you live. So right. some political examples is in the United States we have the Monroe Doctrine, which was created in the 1800s, which is a worldview, a set of beliefs that will be led to action that opposes European influence. In America. Uh, one of the more recent ones is the Truman Doctrine, and that supports free countries against enemies. Uh, but this goes to tons of other arenas of life. Like psychiatrists follow the doctrine of Sigmund Freud, of Jung, of Pavlov. This uh, thought process, the set of belief that helps you make sense of the world, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. the human mind, political allegiances, you name it. So why this is important is that a set of beliefs that doctrines a set of beliefs that guides our living it shapes our worldview and and it helps us interpret our experiences and so i guess at the most basic level bob you'd say doctrine Right. Um, what we believe affects what we do. Yeah. And so that's kind of what you're reading all over Titus to like why this is so important. Um, um, and the reason it's so important is because you are going to fall into some kind of doctrine or set of beliefs. Um, I mean, even Tim Keller, other writers have broken down atheism and people that say, you know, that um, maybe they don't believe in Yahweh, but even people that fall into those categories, then they have inevitably accepted that set of beliefs yeah. that those people believe. And yeah. so anyway, all that's to say is that you will live into some type of set of beliefs or some type of doctrine. And what Titus is imploring us here is accept the doctrine of Jesus Christ, accept the doctrine of grace, of sect except this doctrine. This is the good one. This one. That's right. And so real quick, when you look at Titus, Titus 1, chapter 9 was the scripture I texted everybody yesterday. It says, he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Today, Titus chapter 2, verse 1, you, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. And so this is all over the scriptures. And for us as Christians, everything hinges upon the death, the resurrection, the life of Jesus Christ. Um, When you go to 1 Corinthians 15, it's this beautiful summary of the gospel. The first four verses said, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you've received and now you've taken a stand. 
By this gospel you're saved, if you hold firmly to the word preached to you. Otherwise you've believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as first importance, for that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And so that is at the heart of our doctrine. The gospel embrace is more than that. Obviously, the pouring of the Spirit, the foundation of the church, the spiritual gifts. But our doctrines are worldview, and it's important because it helps us interpret what we go through. Now, I got to tell you a quick story. Funny, I picked up my our daughter today from school, and it's like Kirby, how's school today? She's like, Dad, I had to help break up a fight between my two friends for the sake of privacy. We'll call them Adam and Ben. Adam told Ben that he is no longer his best friend. So I told them that they need to love one another, and then I told them the gospel. And I was like, <laughs> that's my girl, a southern belle, just bringing heat, telling them the gospel. But for us Christians, again, uh, Kirby, little Kirby's interpreting the situation and this experience going, okay, well, because I love Jesus, Jesus loves me, you guys got to love each other. And at the most basic level, that's actually part of her doctrine. Okay. And for us... Obviously, we're thinking about eternal destiny. It depends on truth, gospel, uh, salvation, these kind of things. And so here's a couple other verses that stuck out to us when it comes to our eternal destiny. One comes from Ephesians. Bobby, you want to read that? Sure. This is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And here's another one from Second Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. It talks about the same kind of truth. It starts in verse 13. But we, ought always, uh, but we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so one of the, the, the biggest things here is that um, you've got to call a spade a spade and that Christianity is exclusive. Jesus is exclusive because he said, there's only one way to salvation. There's only one way to the Father, and it's through me. And so anytime you hear people of the world saying you have to be inclusive, 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 that's a, that's a fine and dandy idea until you come into conflict with someone else's view. Then there's, a, there's offense, there's frustration, you start calling each other names, that kind of thing. For Christians, we're going back to the work of Jesus Christ and the Word, and God as Creator, He created everything, and He created everything to work a certain way. And He's a God of life, of growth, and of peace. And when we tell the Creator that we know better than Him, usually creation breaks. So we've got a couple of different examples. Uh, one of the ones that I've used often is imagine the Creator creates a machine and there's a lever, and you're supposed to pull the lever and it pops out starbursts, you know. And we, you and I decide, you know what, Creator, we know better than you. I'm not going to pull the lever. I'm going to push the lever. And what's going to happen to the machine in time? It's going to break. It's not going to produce starbursts, at least not the way that the Creator intended it to. And so applying that example and that way of thinking to other kind of hot topics now, finding salvation in anybody and anything else. You know, right. All religions lead to salvation. Hmm. Um, sexuality is one that's running rampant. You know, um, God designed male and female. Marriage is between one male and one female. 
you are the gender you were you were born with the the genitalia that, that God assigned you and now there's all kinds of different conversations even belief within different churches about that and for Christians we're saying because God is so life-giving so loving we got to hold to his creation as he has designed it to be experienced and lived another this simple example is greed and generosity God did not create our heart for greed that's the flesh, that's sin. But when we live into generosity and we hold things open-handed, you get to experience life as God's designed it to be experienced. And so that's why we have to hold firm to the scriptures and in the scriptures as they've been taught for thousands of years. And I'd push this step further and say you interpret the Bible with the Bible. This is huge. Sometimes you get one verse that says something seemingly wacky and you're like, what on earth is that talking about? Well, when you line up what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians to what he said in Romans, you're usually, you're usually able to make good sense of it. And as the Bible also tells us, there's people teaching all kinds of nutty stuff. First John 4 talks about false teachers who went out from the church. Acts 20 has got false teachers. Jesus is talking about false teachers and, and Matthew 13. And so in it, I guess one of the, the hard parts and frustrating things for us today when it comes to holding to sound doctrine is that in the past there's been the gospel and then there's been some other crazy teaching. So you have like option A or option Z. It's pretty easy to see the differences there. Nowadays, there are, are so-called Christians who are refuting the Bible. There are Christians in the church saying, I don't think God meant this. I don't think Paul really meant that. And so that brings in a whole a bunch of gray. It's not black and white. And it's not that life is always black and white. But there are things that are actually very simple that God created and has taught that are muddied now, and they don't have to be. And so going back to truth and lies from a few weeks ago, remember what makes a good lie. A good lie has elements of truth. And so as we wrap this up, we're reminded of Paul's words to Timothy. He tells him in 1 Timothy, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Please, you got to watch your life and your doctrine closely, your worldview, your set of beliefs, how you interpret your experiences. And uh, 2 Timothy tells him again, follow sound teaching with faith and your love for Jesus because that is going to be the most life-giving thing. So when it comes to doctrine, I guess, where are you at? Your worldview. When it comes to understanding who God is, who the church is called to be, who you're called to be as a man or a woman following Jesus. Um, yeah, th this kind of conversation can be offensive to someone in the world, but... Um, God promised us that there would be conflict when we follow him. It's not going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. And so we want to do it in the most grace-filled, uh, loving way possible. And like we read in Titus and 2 Timothy, 1 Timothy, hold on to sound doctrine. Yeah. I've talked long enough. No, that you talked just the right amount of time. <sighs> I'm going to leave you um, just with the verses that stuck out to me from Titus chapter 2, starting in verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Mm. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good? God, may that be our prayer today. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. God bless you. Have a great week. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you.
Lord be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance toward you and give you his peace. Have a great day. Thank you.